<laughs> so what a number of you have said, how can we get in contact with you or whatever? That's my email, or that is a QR code for a landing page, not really a website, but it gives you a little bit of information, some links to some other things about Thrive and my ministry. You can also sign up, mention to the Q&A crowd this morning. You'll get about four months worth of emails, uh, and we won't sell your, the social security number that you have to give us. We won't sell that to anybody else, we promise. Just kidding. Uh, but just talking about what does it look like to thrive to God's glory? And what Thrive is, is it's a combination of speaking, uh, that's one category. Coaching is another, and facilitating Thrive experiences. So that's what that is. That's just for, it's for laziness sake. If you don't want to enter thrivefullyalive.com, just do the QR code. That takes you to it. Does that answer the question? Got it? So a little bit shorter tonight, about 25 minutes they asked me to keep it to. And so because there is some talent on loan from God that's going to be demonstrated a little bit later tonight. So let's dive in and wrap up Psalm 23. Tonight we're going to be talking about the fact that he settles us. Uh, Parents, have you ever used the phrase, settle down? (laughs) Never, right? It's, it's, and I've actually heard it used here, and there are varying degrees of settle down. And there are some times when actually a child needs to be embraced from their panic about something and just whispered, settle down, settle down. And that's what this psalm is about. Uh, I don't know if you've stood up or not. Some of you did to go to the restroom. Arlene was giving me uh, reports on how crowded the women's restroom was, which is why we delayed. And she didn't really want me to tell you that, I'm sure. I'll pay for that later. But uh, it was very helpful. So why don't you stand and let's one last time, not for old time's sake, just for new time's sake, for this new part of your journey, uh, read this. I want you guys to know it has been a delight for me and Arlene and me both to be here with you guys. Love it. I'm deeply concerned about the, the low ebb in energy that, uh, uh, that I, I, I was about to call him Daniel, but you don't know who Daniel is. But uh, he just needs more sugar in his diet. You know, ambush? Uh, so I'm concerned, but we will make sure you get some sugar. Actually, I loved how he shared the vision, shared the excitement, invited you in to partner. Guys, really pray about that. And there is some phenomenal stuff happening, and this week's been a great indication of that. But all of you who are teachers or speakers or preachers, you know the deal. Uh, there are audiences and groups that you really are excited and privileged to be engaged with, and then there are others uh, that maybe not so much, just because of their lack of engagement. You guys have been anything but, so thank you. And please feel free to follow up, uh, contact me on the, the webpage, matt at mattherd.org. Oh, also, uh, books, some of you have asked, are the books still available? They are. There's a book table over by the uh, talent show area, and you can leave cash there. There's a Venmo number there. Uh, and if you don't have either and you really, really, really want to get a book, just take one. But uh, I'd encourage you to get it and go through it with maybe your kids or, or a small group. What are the implications of the gospel in our lives? So thank you. Here we go. 
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me. Huh. Huh. Powerful statement. And you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So we've talked about the fact that he shepherds us, that we... Our, our, our needs are addressed. You can go ahead and be seated. He restores us. He leads us. He guides us. He secures us. He strengthens us. And tonight, surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days. Follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord uh, forever. Years ago, my middle son, Joel, you know, we live in Colorado. People will say, well, do you, uh, like elk hunting is a big deal in the Rocky Mountains. They'll say, do you elk hunt? And I will say, actually, I walk around the woods dressed like an elk hunter, but I, elk are very, very relaxed when I'm in the woods because they're safe. They know I will never come across them. And, uh, but Joel and I were learning, the first time we went, we went with a bunch of guys who did know their stuff Three in the morning, we get to the trailhead up in the middle of nowhere. Everybody's given assignments of where to go. Joel and I uh, enter our GPS. We, we hike for probably about an hour, and you want to be bedded down and all settled when uh, the sun rises. And right before sunrise, we heard this crashing sound. We knew it was an elk, big elk, because of the sound of the branches being, being kind of trapped by the, his antlers. And, but we couldn't chase him. Couldn't track him until dawn, so once dawn happened, we take off and we started tracking him. You say, how in the world are you able to do that? Well, it was about six inches of new snow, so it doesn't take Daniel Boone to track a 700-pound animal in six inches of new snow. We tracked him up, down, I mean, for probably three hours at least, and they move so fast. And after a while, I realized we're not going to get this animal. But I also noticed on our GPS, we were near a rendezvous point that the guy who was organizing the hunt said, uh, if you, any of you are in the area, come to this point at such and such a time. We were about 45 minutes from that time, seemed to be about that far away, hike-wise. I, and we were freezing. I said, JT, you want to go get some hot chocolate? He said, yeah, that sounds good. And I said, I don't think we're going to see that elk. So we get to the place where the, guy, the guys are supposed to meet. There's only one guy there. He's got a thermos. It's awesome. Uh, we start telling him about tracking this elk. And he's, he's, he said, man, I didn't see anything or hear anything. That's pretty exciting. And we'd been there a little bit. And then two guys came from the direction where we had been. And they were pretty excited. They're coming at quite a clip. And they get up to us and almost out of breath, they said, did you see him? I said, you know, <laughs> that elk is long gone. No, we never saw him. And the guy said, no, no, not the elk, the lion. I said, the what? He said, the mountain lion. 
I said, what mountain lion? He said, well, there's been a mountain lion tracking you guys. I said, what? He said, oh, yeah, yeah. So then we, we traipse off back down to where our, our, our trail was in the snow. And sure enough, there are the, the hoof prints of giant elk. There are my boot prints, Joel's smaller boot prints. And inside a lot of our boot prints were the paw prints of a ginormous mountain lion. Joel said, cool. I said something different, and <laughs> I mean, the hairs on the back of my neck went up. Because if, you, if you've hiked in the Rockies, you've been watched by a mountain lion more than likely. But usually they're higher up, but this, this lion was coming after us. We never saw either, but it was something I've reflected on over the years. And there's several passages of Scripture that come out. without Because Joel and I are going after what we want but we were being tracked. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. That word follow in the Hebrew means pursue. It's not a passive, hey, if it's convenient. He's coming after us. He's coming after us with something that's beautiful and good. Uh, John 4, he seeks worshipers, not because he lacks an ego or has an ego and wants to fill it. He just knows that's how we're wired. Francis Thompson, back in the late 1800s, wrote a famous poem. He, he left home, ran away from home, uh, became an opium addict, dropped off some poems at a local newspaper office and said, if any of these are worth publishing, feel free to publish. If you want to reach me, you can send me a note, chair, uh, care of the postmaster at the Charing Cross Station. The editor didn't look at it for a few weeks and looked at it and said, this is amazing. These poems published several. As a result, he came to the newspaper office. They put him in rehab. He came to Christ, and he wrote a poem called The Hound of Heaven, and saying, in the midst of me doing all of this other stuff, I was being tracked. I was being pursued. It was based on this verse. There's something that we need to understand. God's not up there passive. He's pursuing us for relationship, pursuing us to give us life. So let's unpack it fairly quickly. We'll run through this, but just a little word by word. How does he settle us? As you're dealing with all your stress pockets, I'm dealing with them. He settles us with, first of all, his resolve. He is resolved to get us home. He is resolved to be enough. Surely. You guys know what that word means in Hebrew? Surely. You guys are getting it finally. There we go. But think about that. David, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says, surely, not maybe, surely. Psalm 49, like sheep, they are destined for the grave, but God will redeem my life from the grave, and he will surely take me to himself. Paul, being confident of this, that he who started a good work in you, he's going to complete it. John 10, 27, my sheep, listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who's given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of the Father's hand. He's got you. 
Surely he will get you home. Surely his goodness and mercy, and that mercy, the, the word mercy there, we'll get to it, is something beautiful. It's a chesed. It's his loving kindness. It's his grace. How can I surely count on it because of the resurrection? In my darkest moments of stress and doubt, I go back, I go back to the resurrection. Is he risen? If he is, then it's surely. If he's not, then we're all wasting our time. As Paul said, we of all men and women, we're to be pitied because we're wasting our time. But if he is risen, whatever you're dealing with, surely he is following you. He's pursuing you. He's chasing you. Paul says, or, or, David says, I'm still confident. It's amazing the lack of confidence so many of us have, me included, when the stress waves get so high. And David comes along and says, surely, he's going to be enough. Our shepherd settles us with not only his resolve, but his resources. Goodness and mercy. It's a great combination of, uh, that really means his, his, his graciousness towards us. He's for us. He's not against us. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. Why? How do we flourish? Because we're given enough resources. We've got what we need. Psalm 103 says, praise the Lord, my, oh, my soul, and forget not all his resources. His benefits. In Psalm 23, he's already been going through the resources that are available to you and me. I, I, I don't need to be in one. Why? Because he's enough. There's green pastures and still waters. He, he restores. He's righteous. His righteousness is enough. His rod and his staff is there. Defense, offense, beating away the enemy, bringing me back in when I stray. The table that's abundant. The cup overflowing. The goodness and mercy that's there. And my God will meet all. All your needs. You know what that, he, that, that Greek word for all means? All. Surely. He's resolved for his resources to be enough. And that can settle me because what gets us going? Think of a little child, and we all, all parents know when they get worked up in that panic, and you need to just embrace them, say, settle down. It's going to be okay. Some of you have kids that want to know why or how do I know it's going to be okay. And you and I can come to him and say, how do we know? He says, because my resources are enough. A.B. Simpson says, we would be in, if we would be enlarged, in other words, if we would grow, we must accept all that God sends us to develop and expand our spiritual life. We're so content to abide at the old level that God often has to compel us to rise higher by bringing us face-to-face -face with situations that we cannot meet without much greater measures of His grace. It could be the stress point that I'm in right now is Him working saying, you're not going to taste my enoughness to the degree that I want you to until you know you have to have it. It's similar to the, the mother bird kicking her kids out of the... the out of, the, out of the nest. We have to rely on Him. And once we do those resources, we start experiencing the comfort of His resolve, the, the enoughness of His resources, and then there comes a rest. Just a, a heart rest. Think of that child. You say, okay, I'm resolved to make it better. 
I'm going to give you what you need. And then the child begins to say, okay. And you and I begin to say, okay. That's what David is referring to when he says, I shall dwell. I shall dwell. I'll, I'll, I will settle in. Psalm 91, verse 1, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. The word dwell is to make your home in, it's to make your abode in. Uh, the, in the, the Septuagint, the uh, Old Testament uh, that's translated into Greek, the word for dwell, same word that's in abide in me. In John 15, dwell, find rest in me. I got this. I've got you. I'm author and omega. I'll get you home. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. The writer of Hebrews says, now we who have believed enter that rest. It's a matter of faith. Will I believe the gospel or not? Will you? The, um, the whole aspect of faith, it takes faith to sit in that chair. You're exercising faith right now. We're all people of faith. People say, I'm not a person of faith, everybody. As you get on planes, you're exercising faith. But what we do subconsciously is what the reformers talked about with saving faith. There is this, involved in saving faith is notitia, taking a, um, an inventory of the facts of what you're believing, and then a census, evaluating its relevance, and then fiducia, actually trusting. When I get in a chair, subconsciously, at least I do this, is this going to hold me or not? Is it enough? Is Jesus enough? I still haven't exercised biblical faith in this chair, though. I then have to say, is it relevant to my need right now? Am I tired enough or is social custom enough where that's going to cause me to need to sit? And if I agree that it's trustworthy and I agree that it's relevant to my need, I still haven't exercised faith until I do what? Sit. Once I trust Jesus, I'm believing the gospel right now. Am I believing, am I trusting this chair right now? It's a trick preacher question, so go ahead and have at it. Yes and no. I'm trusting this chair now, and I'm trusting this chair now. I'm trusting this chair. Our lives are all go through that back and forth. Some things happen. We never, never, he's never, nothing's ever going to snatch us out of his hand. But the rest that comes from believing is reviewing the gospel, evaluating, yes, I, it is relevant to my need, and taking steps, active steps on a daily basis to trust him. The staff all have a running bet whether I could keep it to, you know, by 825. Ha! I'm going to get your pledges. All the bets that the staff are going to, never mind. Uh, refuge. 
How does he settle you and me? He's resolved to get us home based on the trustworthiness of the resurrection. His resources are enough. Goodness and mercy is going to follow me, pursue me. And I can rest, I can dwell and say, you know what? There is a storm going, but I'm going to settle. And I can settle because I know that he's my refuge. And the house of the Lord forever. The house of the Lord is not a literal place. It's his presence. Though an army besiege me, David says, my heart will not fear the war break out against me. Even then will I be confident Psalm 5.11, but let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them. Keep that in mind. Spread your protection over them for those that love your name may rejoice in you. It's an offense and a defense to the refuge. There's a refuge from, the enemy's out, similar to rod and staff a little bit. Psalm 27.5 says, For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He'll hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me upon a rock. So he, he, he brings me in and plays defense for me, but there's also a refuge to experience something. Verse 5, verse 4. One thing I ask of the Lord, and that's what I seek. By the way, when David writes this, he's being pursued by an army. He's going to kill him. So don't tell me you live in the real world. You can't do this kind of... This is real world stuff. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty, which literally means delightfulness of the Lord, and to seek him in his temple. That's that eternal life of intimacy with him. And David later says, for you've been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. I long to dwell in your tent forever, and I take refuge in the shelter of your wings. And so he settles me when I know he's resolved to get me home, when I know his resources are more than enough, And I know that he can provide rest for my restless heart and refuge. So to close, I, I want to give you guys a benediction. You know what benediction literally means? Diction word, bene, good. It's a good word. It's happened for thousands of years for the, with the people of God for benedictions to be offered to one another. Have you ever been in a church scenario where the pastor raises their hands? You know where that comes from? Then Aaron lifted his hands toward the people and blessed them. He lifted his hands and he blessed them. He said, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you're to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance on you and give you peace. Hmm. 
But the raising of the hands comes from a tallit. I was looking for one today. I have one. And as I was packing from Colorado, this can happen at times. Uh, we have a condo in Orlando because I do several ministry things there. And my tallit, my prayer shawl, and when I say that, it's, it's in Orlando. So I was asking around. I couldn't believe that uh, Ambush didn't have a prayer shawl in his office. I was so disappointed. But this is familiar to you, too, yes? And I want to be very sensitive with what I'm about to do. Uh, and if you have, or have uh, whether actively or passively, have Jewish background, I do not want to be disrespectful. I am going to use a, it's a, it's a, it's a sheet. But I want you to imagine this as a prayer shawl because the imagery is what I want you to take out of here. So, and these go back to the time of Aaron, to that instruction. And so the, the priests, they've got their, their prayer shawl and their specific things. If I had one, I'd walk you through this very, very intentional what uh, each thing stands for. There are specific numbered tzitzit, meaning tassels on the end. Uh, the design on them makes a difference. But and then you would have it worn in various ways. And again, please just picture it as that. But when it comes time for the, the benediction, when, when Moses told Aaron, bless the people, For that blessing, the, the priest covers his head, and the people have a, an open, receptive posture. And then the priest would take those tassels at the bottom, and he raises his hands. And when you have a full-size tallit, what do you think it looks like? It's an eagle's wings. And he says, may the Lord bless you and keep you. And the raising of hands has gone down through generations. And we've forgotten what it's, what it's to symbolize. To raise my hands to you is to remind you to be under his wings, to find refuge. He will cover you with his feathers. And under his wings, you'll find refuge his faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. In fact, before Jesus ascended, he raised his hands and he blessed them and said, may the Lord settle you with his wings. And because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. So would you stand? We're never going to be this group of people together, this side of the new heaven, new earth again. But God has authored something here. Would you open your palms? You guys are about to head back into the real world. And there's stress waiting. But no, the shepherd is enough. May you do your journey with your family under the protection and the enoughness of his wings. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance on whatever you're dealing with. And may the shepherd be enough for you and give you shalom.
and may you find refuge in the shadow and protection of his wings. Amen and amen.